Welcome to the Reset Podcast. I'm Liz Tran, an executive coach to founders and CEOs of fast-growing tech companies. And I attribute my success to my spiritual practices, which are rooted in mindfulness and Zen Buddhism. In this podcast, I combine business advice with spiritual lessons to help you lead a courageous, authentic, and fulfilled life. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We are here. It is fall in New York City. The trees are turning colors. It is fresh and crisp outside, and I am not sick anymore, which is really exciting. I have my voice back. My head isn't congested, and I'm super excited to be recording this particular podcast topic today. And the topic is the art of tough conversations. It's how to say the thing that you're afraid to say to someone you love. It's how to give someone feedback when you're afraid of how they'll take it. It's sharing your thoughts, perspectives, and opinions when you aren't sure how they'll be received by another person. And it is saying the truth for the good of your relationship with another, even if that truth might be hurtful for them to hear. Basically, throughout this episode, we are going to be dissecting how to have challenging conversations with other people. And this is really the bread and butter of my work as an executive coach. The other day, one of my clients was saying, she's a CEO and a founder of a Series A company. She was reflecting that so much of her job is having the worst conversation you can ever imagine having and just doing that over and over and over again. And I laughed a little bit when she said this, but honestly, I don't disagree. This is a lot of what I do as a coach to founders is helping them navigate and plan out how to have really difficult conversations with their employees and how those conversations can be most productive and effective. Because at the end of the day, not only are we going to learn how to say the thing that you need to say, but also how to say it in a way that can really be heard in a productive fashion by the other person. So now, as we begin, I want to invite you to think about what conversations you may need to have in your life. And they can be conversations with people at work. They can be conversations in your personal life. But where is there friction or tension in any relationship that you have that could be served by sharing honestly what it is that you've experienced and you've felt? Where is there a person in your life that doesn't know what your experience is and they could really benefit from it. Think about what has been left unsaid, what's been pushed aside, what's been swept under the rug that you actually really do need to talk about, but you just haven't been sure how to do it. So maybe it's telling a friend that they really hurt you. Maybe it's sharing with your partner that there's a long-standing dynamic in your relationship that hasn't been working for you. Maybe it's confronting a parent about something that they did years ago that's really been bothering you, but you haven't ever been able to bring up. Perhaps it's at work where you have conflict or tension with a coworker. So whatever it is that you've chosen in your mind, keep that at the forefront as we talk through the process of having these tough conversations today. Okay, so let's jump in. I want to first start off and share a couple of myths that we've been led to believe about tough conversations 
And these myths actually hold us back from being able to deliver these tough conversations appropriately. So myth number one, we are taught that giving feedback is hurtful. We shy away from having these tough conversations and sharing our true feelings because we don't want to hurt the person that we're telling them to. If it's a friend, a coworker, a family member, any person that we love, of course it makes sense that we are afraid to tell them what's really on our minds for fear that that knowledge will be painful for them to receive. What I want to talk about here is that this is just a myth. And if we continue to silence ourselves because we believe that our truth is hurtful to someone else, then our relationships will really suffer. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing in building a relationship with someone else, whether it's a coworker, a friend, a partner, a family member, is that clarity is kindness. When we are open, direct, and transparent with the people that we love, it is actually a gift. And so know this, that when you think that having a tough conversation might drive you and someone else apart, remember that the point of that conversation is to actually bring you two closer together. Okay, and that leads really nicely into the second myth. And that myth is that tough conversations are meant to be one-sided. We avoid them because we think that the point is basically just to get upset at someone else. But what I'm here to tell you today is that having this tough dialogue, inviting in feedback, is actually a bi-directional conversation When you sit down someone you love to tell them something really tough, it's not just you venting at them. It's actually about having a dialogue. It's about sharing your perspective, then sitting back and listening to theirs. And this is such a beautiful image that I always think about is that tough conversations are about you having two antennas up to the world. The first antenna is tuned into yourself. It's tuned into your needs, your feelings, what you need to express. And the other antenna is tuned into the person you're giving feedback to. You're also there to think about their feelings and their needs. And so know that these difficult dialogues are not meant to divide us and put us farther away emotionally from the people we care about, but rather they're to serve as a bridge to bring us closer to the other person. And I think that these myths are really important because at the end of the day, we are all kind people at our core. And the biggest reason that we shy away from having these conversations is because we don't want to hurt the person on the other side of the table. We don't want to lose our friends. We don't want to create conflict or tension with coworkers. But I'm here to tell you this right now, that the only way To build a true, honest, and close relationship is to get really good at mastering these difficult conversations. One of my favorite books about feedback is called Radical Candor. I'm sure there are many of you out there who have read this book. It's written by a woman named Kim Scott. And for many years, she worked at Google and she reported to Sheryl Sandberg. This woman, Kim Scott, who wrote the book, was excellent at her job. She had just given a really good presentation to the Google executive team one day when her boss, Sheryl Sandberg, pulled her aside and said, great job on the presentation, but I have to tell you, you sound like you're not very smart. 
you use the words um and like way too much in conversation and it detracts from your innate intelligence. So Kim Scott was really upset by this, of course. She said, why are you telling me this? I just crushed that presentation. I had all the right data. I made really good points. Everyone really agreed with me. And Sheryl Sandberg said, yes, I know you did a great job there. I'm only telling you this because I don't want you to be held back by your presentation style. And Sheryl Sandberg said, I'm not telling you this because I want to hurt you. I'm telling you this because I care. And you see that is the basic framework of radical candor. It's the idea that the best relationships have a balance of two things. The first thing is truly caring about the other person. And then the second piece is being willing to tell the absolute, honest, direct truth. That's radical candor. Caring deeply plus radical honesty. In the book, they also have this really amazing illustration that shows what is radical honesty and then also what are poor communication styles. So again, to remind you, radical honesty is the combination of caring deeply about someone as well as telling the direct truth. And then it brings up this concept of ruinous empathy, which is when you care deeply about someone, but you don't tell them the truth and it actually ruins them, right? Ruinous empathy, it's not good for them. And then there's a third option, which is obnoxious aggression. And that's when you don't care about the other person, but you're radically honest. And so keep this in mind that as you have these tough dialogues, you're always balancing these two things. You're balancing making sure that the person knows that you care about them. And you're also balancing being completely truthful and honest with them. When you only have the caring side of the equation, that is ruinous empathy. And when you only have the honest and direct side of the equation, then you are obnoxiously aggressive. And I personally love this because whenever I enter into a tough dialogue with someone, whether it's a client or it's my husband or it's a friend, and I always ask myself, am I balancing care and honesty? And when I start to notice if I'm doing one more than the other, then I remind myself to pull back and make sure that I'm even across both the dimensions. Okay, so now that we've done a really great high-level introduction to having tough conversations, I'm going to share the very, very simple process for how you actually action on those conversations. And it's super easy. It's only three steps. They're really easy. They each start with an S, so it makes it really easy to remember. And these steps are one, synchronize, two, state the facts, and three, solutions planning. That's it. Let's jump right in. So the first step we mentioned is to synchronize and synchronizing basically means to get in tune with the other person. You're going to put out a statement that synchronizes you two together and reminds the other person that you care about them. So for instance, if I'm horribly upset at my husband, because again, he was late for like the 15th time in a row, I'm really angry at him. I'm actually going to start off and instead of blaming or yelling or generally framing him as my opponent, I'm going to frame us as in sync with each other, as friends, as sharing the same mission statement. So to synchronize with him, I might say something like, hey, sweetie, do you have a second for me to share something that's been bothering me recently? 
And then he'll say yes. And then I can continue on to synchronize even further and say, Hey, I know you love me and you try really hard to be a good husband. But I think one of the ways that you've been missing that is by showing up late. So notice in that example of me synchronizing with him, how there's a clarity and a directness, but there's not a lot of heat. There's another way for me to say that, and that's to be obnoxiously aggressive. And maybe I'd say something like, you're always late, you're so inconsiderate, you don't care about me. And while that may be how I feel in the moment, I'm not doing the critical step one, and that's in pulling out, zooming out to a 10,000 foot view and reminding myself that in entering and engaging in this dialogue, I first need to be in sync with the person I'm having it with. Here are some other examples of how you can synchronize with the other person as you're going into a tough conversation. If I'm having a tough dialogue with a coworker, I might say something like, you know, I really love working with you and I want to make our relationship better. If I am going into a tough conversation with my boss, I might say something like, hey, first I wanted to thank you for being here and this one-on-one with me. You are always so great at listening when I have suggestions and I have one right now, if that's all right with you. Going into a conversation with a parent, you might say something like, hey, dad, you know, I love you so much and I know you love me, but there's been something that's been bothering me and I think that we can fix it. It may seem silly to do this first step, synchronizing, but it's so, so important because it sets the tone for what the conversation is going to be like. And if you can start that conversation with a lot of love, connection, understanding, then it'll only get better from there versus if you start off with blame, anger, and accusation, that will only result in the other person becoming defensive and not being able to hear what it is that you're saying. So synchronize, synchronize, synchronize. Tell the other person that you care about them. Tell them that you want to have this conversation to improve your relationship. Let them know that you want to listen to them too. Whatever it is that you say and however it is you say it, just make sure that the other person is clear that you are on their side too. Okay, now we move on to the second step, and that is to state the facts. This one is really important because it helps keep things really truthful and really honest instead of being accusatory and blameful. And so what state the facts means is only to share what it is that you have seen or perceived with your own naked eye. Because a fact is something that can be videotaped as being true. So to keep going with that example with my husband, I might say something like, hey, you were late on Wednesday for this dinner. You were actually late two weeks before that from picking me up from the airport. With a coworker, you might say something like, I noticed that when I sent you my feedback and my edits, you actually didn't incorporate any of it. And I was curious about why that happened. With a friend, you might say something like, Hey, I know that we decided that we are going to make a bigger effort to hang out with each other. And I noticed that I actually followed up with my commitment to do that, but you haven't invited me to do anything in the past three months. And once you've stated the facts, you can, of course, and should, of course, share what it is that you are feeling related to those facts. 
but it's important to anchor in what actually happened because in any tough conversation, there are going to be three sets of truths. One is the objective truth. The second is your personal truth. And the third is the other person's truth. And all of them are equally valid. However, the objective truth is the one that is the bridge between you and the other person. For instance, the objective truth was that my husband was late last Wednesday. And my truth is that it made me feel unloved and not considered. And his truth might be that he was late because he was fixing up something around the house that I asked him to do. And he thought that that was his way of showing that he cared about me by making sure that he completed that responsibility I asked him to do. So notice how all three of those truths, my truth, his truth, and the objective truth can all coexist and should all be shared and discussed. But at the end of the day, everything anchors on what objectively happened. As you're having these tough conversations and you're stating the facts, try using language like, I noticed that, or I saw you do this, or XYZ event happened on this day. And always remember that your feelings are incredibly valid and they deserve to be discussed, but they cannot exist without also stating what the facts are. Finally, we get to the last and final step of having tough conversations, and that is solutions planning. And it's exactly as it sounds. The step is to come to a consensus about next steps. So step one, you've synchronized with the other person so that you two are on a good foot to start off with. They know that you care about them. You've stated that you want your relationship to be better. Then you moved on to step two, in which you've stated the facts, and then also potentially shared any feelings that go alongside those facts. And now here we are at step three, when you're deciding what to do about it all. This step is so that you guys might propose a plan together about how you can prevent this upsetting event from happening again. So perhaps you already have ideas that you're bringing to the table, Or maybe you want to co-create a solution with the person who you're in conflict with. Or even maybe you want them to come up with a possible solution that you can agree to. So whatever it is, this point is crucial because it pulls you out of blame, anger, upset, and it allows both people to put effort into making the relationship better. Decide what it is that you both can do so it doesn't happen again. Talk about how you can build accountability into your relationship. Discuss how this moment can actually better the relationship between you two. In the example with the late husband, I might say something like, in the future, I don't actually care if you're late. Just text me and let me know that you're going to be late. I just want to open the door of communication between us. For my coworker, I might say something like, Hey, next time I send you some feedback, do you think we could set up some time to discuss it? I just want to know that you fully heard out what it is that I'm saying about this project. And then perhaps with a conversation with your parent, you might say something like, Hey, what I really need from you is to do X, Y, and Z in the future. Do you think you can do that? And the important thing here is for the two of you, the two people who are engaged in this tough conversation to create the solution together and then to sign off on it together. It should be something that you both feel really excited to move forward with in the future. 
remember that you are not adversaries. You are partners in co-creating a stronger relationship. So those are the three very simple, very easy steps to follow. Step number one, synchronize. That's about creating a shared mission statement for the two of you, reminding the other person that you care deeply about them. Step two is sticking to the facts. This will allow for more objectivity in your dialogue. And then finally, step three, which is solutions planning. That is you and the other person working together to design a better system. And obviously, I want to recognize that this is an extreme oversimplification of how this process is going to work. But I personally don't really believe in having more than three steps because they get jumbled and you'll never remember them. I'd rather just give you three really simple steps to stick with and then allow your empathy and intuition to fill in the gaps from there. But what I do think is important to share is that the other person might get defensive. They will want to share their own perspective on what happened. And it's really important to listen to them because remember, there are three truths to the situation. There's the objective truth, which is what physically happened that you can observe with the naked eye. And then there's your truth, which is your personal perspective on what this means to you, as well as the other person's truth. And the key to reconciling this is remembering that your different truths are not meant to separate you, not meant to create a wall between you, but rather to create a bridge. Remember that each person sharing their perspective isn't to create a wall between you, but actually rather to create a deeper connection. This is something that one of my clients actually shared with me, just to think of it as a context bridge. So if I'm sharing my truth and the other person is sharing their truth, we're doing that to create a bridge that connects the both of us instead of putting up walls to prevent the argument from happening. So if my husband says something like, oh, well, I was late because I was doing this other thing for you, I will look at that and think, okay, great. Here's additional context that I actually didn't have. And then I might give him context back and say, thank you for sharing that. But just so you know, in the future, it's more important for me that you be on time rather than you do this thing that could get done at any moment. And I'd rather you call me and ask, hey, Liz, is it more important for me to be on time or is it more important that I finish this thing I said I would do for you? So whenever you can, always remember that context is a bridge to build more intimacy and closeness rather than to be used as walls to divide you. Another tip for having these difficult conversations is that the more timely you can initiate the conversation, the better. You don't want old resentments festering in the back of your mind. You don't want to be holding on to little things that irked you because over time they build and build and compound and compound until eventually you're seething with rage. And so a good rule of thumb is for anything that upsets you, if you're still thinking about it after 24 hours, then you need to say something about it within 48 hours. These little resentments, these annoyances, they take up so much space in the back of our minds. And your brain deserves space for creativity, for ideation, for happiness, for all these sorts of positive activities. And it really can't perform at its best when it's holding on to these resentments because there are so many pieces that are unresolved. 
And I like to think about the brain as being like an internet browser where you have all these different tabs open. If you keep holding on to these old resentments, that's like having 15 tabs open that you just can't close. Even if you're not actively looking at them, they still clutter up your processing power. And so just remember that the sooner you can have these conversations, the better. In order for you to be your best, everything that has been left unsaid needs to be said. A lot of my job as an executive coach is actually in pushing my clients to have these tough conversations that they're putting off and putting off and putting off. And it's a funny thing because I really do understand why they're reluctant to have these conversations. The first reason being that having a tough conversation can actually just create more work when they are already really crunched for time. There's already so much going on in the workplace that they rationalize to themselves, why should I create more drama? Why do I need to create more problems? I can just let this slide, not deal with it, worry about it another day. And in doing so, they think that they're actually saving themselves from doing more work. But really the opposite is true. When you put off things that need to be said, you actually create more work for yourself. The resentment just continues to build and build the tension that you have with the other person also continues to escalate. You may not even be aware that it's happening to you, but your frustrations start to come out sideways because they're not being directly expressed. They start to express themselves indirectly in very strange ways. And finally, you're disempowering yourself as a person when you avoid having these tough conversations. In avoiding them, what you're saying is that you don't deserve to be heard, that it's not worth it to you to express yourself, that your own happiness is not worth creating waves over. I am here to be your advocate and to remind you that you really are worth it. Anytime you're upset about something, that something has bothered you, you do deserve to share that with the other person. You deserve to be heard. And you are worth it to put the effort in to fix it. I have a friend who is really amazing at this. She never lets anything go unsaid, but she does it in the kindest, most caring way. She is the living embodiment of radical candor. And she will really gently and really compassionately always correct people who are doing something wrong, which I think is amazing. She'll say to someone, oh, you know, you've actually been pronouncing my name wrong. This is how you say it. Or she'll say, oh, you know, actually what you said was really offensive to me because of where I'm from. And she has these, what I would call micro tough conversations, these little miniature conversations so easily. And while a lot of people wouldn't say anything if they were in her shoes for fear of disrupting the vibe, she doesn't ever shy away from it because she knows that there's nothing to be upset about. She's simply sharing the truth and there's nothing wrong with that. There's no reason for her to be upset. And there's also no reason for the other person to be offended. It's a very small, but very important thing to do, which is that both people are just tracking closer to the truth. And so I want to remind you again of that second myth around tough conversations that we're dispelling, which is that we fear the tough conversations will cause wedges in our relationships, that they will hurt the other person. But what we need to remember and always track to is that clarity is kindness. Telling the truth is kindness. 
it is always, always the right thing to do to take on a short amount of near-term pain for the sake of improving your long-term relationship. Imagine a world where we were all afraid to have tough conversations and give each other feedback. We would all just be tiptoeing around each other all the time, afraid to say anything, and the result would be pervasive, ruinous empathy. I love that phrase so much from that book, Radical Candor. So just always remind yourself, your job in this world is to embody radical candor. You have to avoid obnoxious aggression. You have to avoid ruinous empathy and always focus on straddling those two sides of radical candor. One, caring deeply about the person that you're speaking to. And then two, being very open, honest, and direct with them. So today, can you commit to having just one tough conversation even if it's a minor one? Can you give a coworker a little bit of feedback? Can you tell a loved one that you're unhappy? Can you broach the elephant in the room that no one else wants to bring up? I know that you can do it. I also know that you deserve to be heard. And so I want to send you lots of love and lots of positive energy for these amazing, tough conversations that knock on wood, hopefully you will be having this week. And thank you all so much for listening from this point forward. We're going to be on a very cool, very exciting every two week schedule where my goal is to be as regular and consistent as a metronome. And then also don't forget to subscribe to the Reset newsletter where I'll be answering readers' questions, sharing a theme for the month, and then also sharing a couple of my favorite books and podcasts and things like that that I'm listening to for personal development. Finally, thank you to everyone who shared the podcast last week and for all the people who had such nice things to say about the podcast and about my voice, even though I was feeling under the weather, I really appreciate you guys for sticking through with me. And if you feel like it, then please rate and review the podcast because it makes a huge world of difference to me. It's how people find it. And so thank you so much, everyone, for sharing this with your friends and for taking 30 minutes to invest in yourself today. As a reminder, this week, remember to love yourself listen to yourself, and say yes to life so that life can say yes to you. See you in two weeks.